Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Desiree Pais, welcome to the podcast. Did I say your last name correctly? Almost, Pace. Pace. She added a little fancy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, in my mind, it's like Parisian, and that's my Parisian accent. Even though I don't, I don't You're speak not French. From Paris. I'm not from Paris, <laughs> and I don't speak French. Well, I actually have a French first name and a Spanish last name, and I'm none of that. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say. Where are I you thought, from originally? My family's from Ukraine. My father's from Odessa, and wow. so they think that somewhere down the line, like grandfather, great grandfather was from Spain, and that's where Pace came from because oh, it's Pace. And then my beautiful French first name came from the baby book as I was coming out of my mother's vagina. My aunt found it in the book and she was just like, I was supposed to be Nicole. And she was just like, what about Desiree? And my mom was like, that's fantastic. My dad's also 50% deaf too. And really, so my mom goes to my dad. She's like, her name is Desiree. My dad's like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. And he goes out to my mom's mother and father in the waiting room. And they're like, what's her name? And he's like, it's so beautiful. And they're like, <laughs> what is that? And, she, and they're like, he's like, Dajanae. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so funny. God. I hope your dad still calls you that. <laughs> Wait, I think that was the best intro ever, Jess. You don't even need to go. I know, I don't. That is the best intro. Okay, we'll give our listeners some context as to who we're speaking to. And then we'll... So, Desiree Pace. Exactly. Welcome to the podcast. I said this to you earlier, but it's so funny because I do Benchen, which is, we'll get to, is her course. And I meditate with her every morning and feel like I know her really well. It's our first time meeting. Uh, Desiree graduated from FIT and went on to pursue a very quintessential, glamorous New York City career. She worked with prestigious fashion labels and media brands, some of which are Refinery29, Black Book Media, and Media Concept Showrooms. While this satiated her love of art, she found herself searching for more and in 2010 decided to carve more time to understand her body and vitality. She pivoted her professional interests to focus on physical health, personal well-being, and spirituality. Desiree went on to be a yoga and meditation teacher, as well as complete her master's degree from the Pacific College of Health and Science. In 2017, she created Benchin.co, which is how I'm familiar with you, which had the intention to make living a more purposeful and intentional life accessible and inviting. And so I wanted to kind of, from there, give a personal anecdote. So I was introduced to Benchin March 2021. So almost two years ago. And I've done it most months. I mean, and obviously this is human nature, but some months I'm like every single morning I do it and I'm in it. And then some months I'm like, I don't know why I signed up. I didn't do it once. Which by the way is how everybody does Yes. It. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is something you talk about a lot is kind of giving yourself that grace. And I actually loved because they have these little markers of the meditations. And I loved when you were like, 
you should post it even if you miss days. Like you should be proud of yourself even if you missed three days in the month. Like who cares? That's still a, a feat. Yeah, people do that too. I love that when they're yeah. like really, they, some people have different because we, we let people use emojis to mark off. And the days that they skip out, they actually use like an even cuter emoji. <laughs> do you know what I mean? No, I like that you do that because sometimes when I meditate, I get really down on myself when I miss a day. And you know all those apps that track your meditation and they're like two consecutive days or whatever. And then you fall off and it's like restart at the beginning. And I think our society is just generally really hard on ourselves when we start doing things. So whenever I see that, I always just be like, oh, like, come on. Like, why did you miss that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a huge issue with that, which is because we live in a perfectionist society and You know, I really feel grateful for the people that I studied with, you know, over the years, which was never like, okay, you have to start from day one, you know, like you fucked up, you know, which is really what everything else is teaching us, right? Whether we understand it or not, consciously or unconsciously. So, you know, I just want to put it out there for people to know, like, I have my months too, where I'm like every day, every morning, committed, dedicated. And then there's months where now, you know, I've been doing bench on for since the actual course since 2019, but meditating and doing, uh, you know, yoga and meditation for over a decade now. And at this point in my life, there's way more flexibility. Do you know what I mean? There's way more like, okay, if you don't do it in the morning, let's try to get it done in the afternoon. God forbid you don't do it today. You're fine. You're going to survive. Just do it tomorrow. And you can still be proud of yourself for that. Yeah. And I say God forbid, but like quotations, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, Quotes just because people, people can't see, you know, because <laughs> it's not like, I think that what's most important is momentum. Like, and then also knowing why you're doing it because you're because you want to feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Versus just getting the check mark exactly. or like it's on my exactly. to do list today and I didn't do it. Like, how could I not do it? You know, exactly. Yeah, this is not a test. This is not like a schooling thing that you're getting graded at. This is for your inner well-being. And it's OK if you miss a day. But the worst part, if you miss a day, is to just be mean to yourself and to be a critic because that's just you're detracting from the reason why you're doing it. A hundred percent. And I think that that's sort of the bigger issue with the wellness industry, which I had the issue with because I participated in it, which was using all of it as a means for perfectionism, which it's not really the thing. It's how each individual person approaches it, which is, you know, a longer story. But I used it as another means for perfection. And it took a lot of unwinding to not do that anymore. And, you know, I think... Can you deep dive into what you mean by that? Yeah. So I used to have eating disorders. And um, since I was 12 years old, you know, when it was like food restriction, et cetera, et cetera. And then once I, you know, it's such a long... I'm like trying to be conscious of time. But I once I got into yoga in 2010, I started to want to heal all of that. And then I discovered, you know, I was dating a guy who was raw vegan. So I was like, oh, that's the answer, you know. And then it was just another extreme Right. I mean, I wouldn't even drink hot water. Like, that's how extreme I went. And, and wow. yeah, like it was really and that actually ruined my health going raw vegan. It completely ruined for me personally. Yeah, I actually you know? read about that, about you. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, that's so interesting. Yeah. And you also have a quote about the extreme. I was going to quote later, but about like just the extremity of like, what is this really sustainable? Mm-hmm. Like, I always used to say, like, sometimes you need. I had a very similar, I did not struggle with an eating disorder, but I could just be very extreme and very mm-hmm. black and white and very intense. I remember, you know, I actually got fired by a personal trainer. That tells wow. you how intense it was. He wow. was like, I don't want to work with you anymore. You're wow. too hard on yourself. You're too intense. Wow. This was a long time ago. But same thing, which kind of brings me back to my introduction of you. Like I loved Benjen personally and obviously still do because for me, it really unlocked a wellness practice that felt, it did feel accessible, felt more importantly, like sexy and cool and like, <laughs> like-minded people. And I'm not trying to polarize like the woo-woo people, but I remember being like, I'm really into this stuff and I've been into this stuff since 2016 but I didn't necessarily relate to people who could like stop drinking cold turkey Mm -hmm. or who could Mm -hmm. be that extreme or like be really into kundalini in a way that I wasn't. And I think 
I don't know if this was intentional, but Benshin is very balanced. And it's like, you can be cool and have fun and, and cool is subjective again, air quotes, but you know, but you can, you can be both. You can be all these things. You can also enjoy quote, superficial things mm-hmm. that are human mm-hmm. and also be super spiritual and like we'll talk about like what's the point that yeah, was like exactly. my whole question because I did go very extreme I stopped drinking for five years I stopped doing everything uh, but this was sort of later you know when I first got into yoga in 2010 I had been on medication for depression and anxiety and I got into this industry air quotes you know more air quotes that before 2010, it wasn't a huge industry that it is now, you know, so it was and it was very fresh still in terms of obviously not the lineage of yoga, but how it was being westernized and also come out of Biden. And that's how I started to I just remember reading one article. I'm not going to share which media company it was, but it was really just like are almonds the next gluten, you know, and like is water is your water date? And I'm like, how far are we going to it got to the point where I was like, oh my God, I'm scared of everything. I'm scared of food. I'm scared of this. I'm scared of that. I'm scared of everything because I went raw vegan and then I got even more sick. And then by the way, raw vegan has its perks and benefits for certain people that they could really benefit from it. Do you know what I mean? It's not like none of this is supposed to be extreme. This is why I like you know, other sorts of healing modalities that are really individual. It's like, what are you, what do you need? What, do you, what does your body need versus like a general, like this is the way, this is the umbrella that everybody should be under. So from like 2010, you know, and then the wellness industry was also, there was a lot of articles like medications, bad for you, you know, like bad, bad, bad. You're bad if you take medicine. Western medicine is bad, you know, and it's, you know, it was so polarized, right? Yeah, like everything. Everything. And so then, but it's like, but take the supplement, it's money. It's funneling. You know, it's like, you know, so I was like, okay, great. So I went into my medicine cabinet after being on medication since I was 12 years old. And I'm, I'm 20 at that point. It was 2010. And I threw it all away. I was so depressed for five years because my brain chemistry was so out of balance. And it created this like cycle like, oh, I don't feel good. I need to fix myself even more. Oh, let me figure out which yoga meditation practice this is going to fix me. But I remember I was sitting with Grandmaster Sung Beck, who I met in 2009 when I was 19, and he was the one that got me into acupuncture. And um, I met him actually on the Bowery. And years later, after I left the fashion industry, somehow we got reconnected. And And when I met him, I didn't know what acupuncture was. I didn't even know what yoga was. You know, I was 19 years old. It was very, you know, I was very, it wasn't something I had really encountered yet. And um then I started getting into it and I did my first two trainings and then somehow he and I got reconnected and he happened to be in Baltimore one weekend when I was there living back at home with my family because I was making no money as a yoga teacher, super sick, super unhealthy, very, you know, just the opposite of what you would think would be happening. And he said, come meet me at this, you know, hotel lobby because there was a Kung Fu tournament. And he was like, bring your mom, you know, we'll chat. I'll tell you about acupuncture. You can come study with me. And the way he said it was like, it sounded like a little Kung Fu tournament. It was like thousands of people from around the world, you know, and they were, a lot of them were his students and he had all these students with him. And so we all sat down in the lobby, me, him, my mom, and like, you know, 20 of his students. And they were all just friends and, you know, very sweet. And that's how he was like, come study acupuncture with me. And um, that's how I got into, you know, all of that. And I forgot where I was going with that, but basically, you know, he was sort of the first person that I started studying, but that really started to make me question, like, what are we doing here? You know, yeah. because he was kind of like, it wasn't like, don't do this and don't do that. Do you know what I mean? And when he was the one that diagnosed me with autoimmune and semi ovaries and everything, because Western medicine couldn't figure it out. They were just like, your blood work is fine. Everything's fine. I was so fatigued, I couldn't even go up the stairs. And my mom, you know, came to New York to take me to the hospital because I was, she thought I was anemic. And he's like eating a hot dog one night and has all of his students feel my pulse to see if they could fix my hearing because we were studying with him one weekend and everybody's feeling the pulse and, and you know, they all, he's like, go figure out a treatment for her. And then I'm like, oh, he felt my pulse. Like when they ask him what's wrong with me and he's eating a hot dog and like 
you know, drinking a little cup of tequila. And he's like, yeah, you have a little bit of autoimmune and cysts on your ovaries and chronic fatigue. Do this and that and you'll be fine. And I'm like, this guy's eating a hot dog and drinking tequila. And he just diagnosed me better than any doctor has in two years. <laughs> you know, and I was kind of like, what am I doing? Yeah. You know, and like it became a long process of, you know, to take it back to what you were saying, like, was it intentional the way that Benjamin became like, yes, it was very intentional because, you know, I was so strict, no drinking, no partying, no living, no nothing, no, you know, no makeup. It was like, you know, it was just so extreme. And I was more unhappy than ever. Yeah. You know, and I was just like, I gave myself a month, you know, I was like, let me just do one month of everything opposite that I've been doing for the last (laughs) five years. How did you get yourself to a place to shift? Because after doing extremes for so long, I like ruined a relationship. Feel... You what? A relationship was ruined. Like my ex-boyfriend years ago was just like, I don't get it. Do you know what I mean? Like he couldn't take it anymore. Wow. Because I was just so unhappy. And so was... it took that and for you to be like, I and, need to make a change. Yeah. And just like you kind of like get sick of yourself. You know, yeah. I, it was not really so much like that it was him, but it was like, oh, my God. Well, you saw a direct consequence of exactly. your own like. And it's also interesting, right? Because. You think you're doing all these things for yourself, right? And you are. That's your mm-hmm. intention. But then if the way you approach it is so intense, it ends up hurting you. And it's so funny. Last year, I moved from New York back to LA. And I was, I was, we, this is actually how What's the Point came to Inception. But oh, I would love to hear how. Yeah, we were at dinner and I think like a few weeks after I moved back and Annabelle had already been, she was also a New Yorker. I was feeling very depressed, like going through a really hard transition with a lot of things. And it wasn't just New York, LA, but it was just a lot of different things. We were at dinner and Annabelle and I are newer friends. Like we've become friends in the last few years, actually through our cousin. And so at this point we had dinner scheduled. I was hysterically crying to my sister and her husband before. And I was just like, not in a good place. And I always felt safe with Annabelle. So I was like, I'm sure it'll be fine. But like, God, I got to just you know, whatever. And I sit down to dinner and the first thing she says is, I just want to let you know, I'm in a really bad place. So if I, I stop crying, start crying and she starts hysterically crying and we're both crying. Yeah. And we're both and then just, we bonded ever since. And yeah. honestly, like, it's very easy to look at other people's lives and think that like they have it all and whatnot. And I think that's why this podcast for us is so important to be able to share the not so glamorous sides of things. And even if someone looks you up on Google, they'll be like, oh my God, she's so successful. They look at your social media and they're like, oh, she's so beautiful and she lives this life and all that. But like pulling the curtains back and being like, no, 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 there's so much struggle there too. And letting people know that they're not alone. So that's like really our our mission. And that we're all human. But what I was going to say about the extremity of doing work on yourself, sometimes that can be toxic. With anything in moderation, right? Like, I think... Anything to an extreme is toxic. Yeah. Like, that's one of the things that I love about, you know, Grandmaster and Chris, who's my mentor for the last 12 years, Chris Chen, who studied with Grandmaster for many years. And um, I just always clicked with Chris because he... Grandmaster was really tough, like, the way that he taught. He was tough. It was hard. You know, I mean, I didn't come from a medical background. I came from a fashion background, you know, and acupuncture school was very hard for me. And it was not, I was a horrible student. (laughs) Horrible. I'm talking like failed a couple of classes too, you know, and for anybody who's like, oh, she's successful. Like I failed class, two classes at acu. I mean, it was bad. I was a horrible student because I was so unhappy there. And um, you were unhappy in school. At school, yeah, because I, I was really passionate about it in the beginning. And then about three years in, it hit me. I was like, oh my God, I'm doing this because I want to fix myself. Yeah, were you able to fix yourself like along the way? Like, did you yeah, cure yeah, your yeah. autoimmune? Yeah, I was able to fix myself. I love that question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, your autoimmune and your depression and your cysts. Yeah, and- yeah. Yeah. So I think that back, the main shift was actually that month that I took off. You know what I mean? When I was like, I'm going to do it. It was actually I had really bad acne all over my skin. And I used to like self-mutilate, pick it. You know, it was like a bad cycle. And yeah. I just felt even more depressed. And it was like the cycle that would like fuel it. Because then the stress of the picking and how you feel creates more, you know, acne. And my dad said something that really 
switched it for me. He was like, baby, I think if you keep looking at it and like thinking about it, it's going to keep coming. And like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, you don't understand my suffering, you know? And I was like, like a couple of weeks later, I was like, you know what? Maybe he's right. Maybe like I need to get out of the mirror. Maybe I need to. Chris, my mentor also said to me, because he, he was just like, what you're doing is not working. Like your whole life. He's like, the way you're approaching trying to fix yourself is not working. So you need to try something different. Yeah. And I think when you, uh, you always say this, and I wholeheartedly believe this too, when you focus on something, it expands. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, that's what you, becomes your main focus. And we wanted to actually talk about, so you went from fashion mm-hmm. to Chinese medicine. Mm-hmm. That's a big shift. And Huge. like, I totally see the, everyone is multifaceted and dynamic if you allow yourself to be. So I see how that could be possible. But how do you make that change? It's actually a really funny story. It's just crazy how you can look back and see the, I call it the golden thread. Like there's always a golden thread. That's why like when things don't work out for you now in your life, there's a golden thread that's linking everything. And whatever's not working for you right now or is working for you right now, you'll be able to look back in a couple months or a year or five years or 10. You'll be like, oh, that's how that got there or why. I was working in fashion. 2017, I moved here when I was 17 years old. Killed it. Loved fashion. I ended up in different, doing different things, Refinery29, Black Book Magazine, Natalie Drew. I was working. I, I had the best time. I didn't have a bad, you know, like the Devil Wears Prada. I didn't have that. I had the best time. And I got into menswear, which I actually loved, loved it. Yeah, it was cool. just so like the guy. I grew up with guy friends. The girls in high school were really catty bitches and they were really mean. They made fun of me. I could see because I could read lips and they were talking about me behind my back. And I went through a lot of trauma in my childhood through overdoses and a lot of loss and really young age and really big tragedy. So I dealt with a lot and they would, I could see, you know, they would, it was bad. So I always felt safer with the dudes because there was a guy's school across the street and they really took me under their wings. So when I got onto menswear, it was kind of like home, you know, and, um, The studio that I was working at, Medium Concepts, was across the street from a yoga studio that apparently Mary-Kate and Ashley went to. So, of course, I had to go there and check it out. And um, this was back in 2010. And that's how I got into yoga. And I really liked it. And then I started doing hot yoga, Bikram. I loved that because I'm deaf. So I like anything 50% deaf. So I like anything that's repetitive. So I don't have to look around, you know, like, what's the next move or what are they trying to say? I did Bikram yoga every single day. Now I was taking Adderall recreationally. So it was also a way to like come down off of it. And that the Adderall was what destroyed my adrenals. It killed my adrenals. You know, for me personally, I know it's helpful for other people. But the way I was using it was misusing it. So then I did the the yoga, did my first training, loved it, renunciated everything. I'm talking extreme. I was like throughout my clothes, like all my vintage like nice shit. It was like gone. Started dating this guy who looked like Jesus and he was like <laughs> raw vegan and all natural products and you know, <laughs> this and that. And um, he was actually the first one that I overheard him on a conversation that he was like to a friend. He's like, I think she has candida because I just had a little bit of digestive issues. And I was like, what's like go to Google. I'm like, what's candida? And that's how it all started because then I started to read more about it. And I was like, oh, my God, I have candida. I never got diagnosed for it, but I was just like, and then it was like candida. And then you have this. And I was like, oh, my God, I have that, too. You know, so I started self-diagnosing like crazy. And then I went to another yoga training because I just wanted to learn more. And then I was teaching. I wasn't making any money. And that's when I moved home because I was 20, broke, had no money, didn't know what I was doing anymore. And um, so I went home. My parents were like, you need to figure out what you're doing. And that's when I was in Baltimore and reconnected with the Grandmaster. And then he was like, just go to whatever school in New York, acupuncture school, and you'll study with me on the side. So that's when I started going to Pacific College. And I was studying with Grandmaster on the side. And it was a mind fuck how hard it was. Like it was because I'm very passionate. So it's like if I like something, I'll memorize it. But I kind of loved the more esoteric and spiritual stuff. So when I got to the actual, like, the anatomy and the physiology and biomedicine and pharmacology, I was like, oh, I didn't sign up for this, you know? 
And then Grandmaster studying with him was very tough. So it just felt like a lot to them. I found the Kundalini Yoga and that felt like it was really easy to digest. And there was a lot of information and it felt like there was a lot of practical tools. So that's how I got really into that. How did you find that? Oh, it's actually funny. Amanda Chantel Bacon walked up to the juice shop that I was working at. I was working in a tiny little juice shop in um, the Lower East Side. And um, she walked up and this woman was just glowing. And I was like, what's she doing? <laughs> and I had heard she had done, you know, some, this was back in like 2014, 2015. I heard she did. And then I was like, I think I researched her and then I found other people. And that just started a rabbit hole type of thing. And then I loved it and I still love it. And, you know, I'll wrap it up. But I went down the extreme of it. Like if you go and you Google me, you know, the whole, I went very, I stopped drinking. I stopped going. I, I took it to like the very extreme. I stopped partying. I was waking up at 4 a.m. in the morning. By partying, I mean like going out, you know, having social hour with your friends or even going dancing or whatever. And that's when I was dating my boyfriend at the time. And I was just so extreme, so unhappy. And he was just like, what is going on? Like what's happening? And then around 2018, so it took some time and I was really deep into it. And around 2018 is when I said, I'm going to take one month off and just do nothing. And that where is that where the idea for Benjamin came? 90% of my symptoms cleared up that month. Really? Just... 90% When you say skin. do nothing, stop like, these rules. Like, yeah, stop the rules. Like live, yeah. That's but how, how is that, like for someone who has lived in extremes... For so well, long, it wasn't extreme. To, it's like too much. Right, right. You're going the other way. But <laughs> as someone true. also who loves like routine and structure, the days where like I don't do any of that, it's so hard for me. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh my god, and I'm so hard on myself. So how do you just like one day just be like, no, I'm not going to go to yoga. I'm not going to do the things. I'm not going to eat vegan. I'm I'm not. I'm going to drink. Like, how do you shift? Because how I is was that mentally such rock bottom. Do you know what I mean? It was like 2010 until 2017 of depression, health issues, like acne, fatigues, everything. And yeah. I was so insecure that time, too. I mean, like severely insecure. Yeah. You know, and I just hit a rock bottom. I was like, I, can't, I was like, I cannot do you this anymore. You had to anymore. like give up or surrender. It wasn't even, I was like, I, it was like, I cannot, I can't. I was yeah. like, I need to try something different because it's not working. And I was dating a guy who worked in menswear. I just started getting back into dating. And, and I just love this story because it's really what shifted everything for me. And it was the first time I really got dressed up again, you know, and I'm like started dating this guy and he's in menswear and he had a brand and they had a show, a fashion week party at the Rose Bar. And I hadn't been in since 2009. And I walk in and everybody's looking fly and he's looking good. And it's just, it was electric, you know, and like the energy, the pulse. And then there was this guy, St. John, performing and the music was so good. And I was like, just walking into the room, I felt alive. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, if you do this meditation or if you drink green juice or you, it wasn't like X, Y, Z will make you feel this. But it was like I just walked into the room and I felt alive. And that changed everything for me because I was like, what? It was like, if I do this, then I'll be happy. Yeah. You know, and then this was kind of like, no, you're just not doing the things that make you happy. Yeah, it's living versus like delaying living because you have to like do all these other things. I think that's such a interesting balance to strike. Like that's kind of similar to how I got out of that depression I was talking about mm -hmm. that a friend of mine who's a therapist said, I think you need to, I stopped drinking for mm -hmm. a few weeks, not, not that long, but a few weeks. I like wasn't going out to dinner and all the things I like to do. And I was just like being so almost just so hard on myself. So mm -hmm. extreme journaling every day, doing gratitude, but it was so forced. Mm -hmm. I wasn't like feeling good. Then I came out of that time and a friend of mine suggested, she's like, just stop therapy. Just like take a break for the summer. Mm -hmm. Summer's around the corner, like just have fun. And it was that almost surrender, like waving the white flag. Mm -hmm. Where I was like, oh, now I'm living. Mm -hmm. Now I'm immersing myself in the present moment and in my life and enjoying the things I used to enjoy and not feeling bad about it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's so much of what Benchin is. Mm -hmm. And it is what you're talking about and embodying is like 
you can be all of these things at once. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't make you less spiritual or less legitimate because you like to go out and dance. No, I yeah. think that, yeah, I think that that's sort of where I feel really grateful for the mentors that I have in my yeah. life that have really pushed me to be me and not some sort of dogmatic box to fit in that if you do XYZ, then you're a good girl or good person. You know, and I think that's really important. And all the people that I've mentored with have been like, you're a powerful bad bitch. Like, bring her out. You know, like, go fucking have fun. Play with the world. Be that bad bitch. And I was like, oh, but what do you mean? Like, I'll have to be like the good girl, you know? And I just feel really grateful that I had that guidance because it always felt like my mentors really pulled me out of me instead of trying to fit me into some box that was quote unquote spiritual. And that's really what I try to do for Benchon as I'm like, the wellness stuff is supposed to make you feel well so that you can live your life. And be it, more of yourself. Exactly. Yeah. It's not, that's not the end goal. The one thing I love so much is I was reading like the name Benchon means root spirit, right? So the space that allows the spirit to take root in the body. And it's mm-hmm. exactly what you're saying now. It's just like, I feel like we put so much like practicality on ourselves. Like you can't do this because it's not good for you. You can't do this. You have to work out. You have to do this. You have to work at nine to five. And if you're not by your computer, it means you're not productive and whatnot. But when you like pull back all the layers and actually have space for inspiration and what drives you and what moves you and what you makes you feel alive, that's where like that's wellness, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. I think that... I hope that I can just inspire people to kind of look a little bit outside of it in terms of like, I mean, for me, just to like give you the like domino effect of really what happened was like one, take that month off. And then two, I mean, like 90% of my self went away. I mean, that's crazy. Do you know what I mean? Crazy when you think about it. The amount of money spent to doctors and healers and psychics and this and that, (laughs) like, Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And then at the time, because I was being more social, I was getting back into the New York scene. This is about like 2018. And in Williamsburg, where I was hanging out, there was a lot of French people. So I started making friends with a lot of French people. And I'm like these guys are drinking and smoking with these people, you know, those men and women and people. And they're like, they're drinking, smoking and going out. And they just, the way they would spend hours talking and living and eating the best ingredients of food. And we would cook dinners together. And it was very much like just being around people and socializing community. And I'm like, and they all look 40 times healthier than I do. It's like living in a blue zone. What's that? Yeah. A, a blue zone. Yeah. You know, where it's yeah. like they drink, like they all drink wine and like family is a priority. If you look up the blue zone solution. Yeah. Bl- it's basically. So where they live the longest mm. in the world are these like blue zones and, and their their secret is community. Like it's, and it's like not about like green sulfate free wine and just like really, it's so funny because like a lot of it is just living life. Yeah. Is what makes them live really long. It's called Blue Zone Solutions. Or there's a book about it, but it's called Blue Zones. And I think it's like Sardinia is one of them. Yeah. And it's just the notion of the fact that like not caring so much about all the rules and rigidity and just like moving with your heart, like whatever you feel like doing that today. But at the end of the day, always being surrounded by community and love and relationships. And living. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Right? Yeah. Um, I've done the last... Since about 2019, I've just gotten healthier and happier and healthier and happier and healthier and happier. And then last year, I was invited to uh, Greece. 
with uh, with someone and I went and I visited and I was nervous about going at first because I was like, oh my God, it's like party central over there, you know, what am I going to do in party yeah. central? Even though I had been going out, I've been more social and um, just really, and I, and by the way, in the last couple of years, like going out and just sort of being part of the New York nightlife again and just creative community in general, I've just met some of the most incredible people that I'm like, you guys are the most spiritual people I've ever met, you know, because really? they, like, they're so tapped into something. Like it's basically essentially Rick Rubin's new book, kind of like yeah. that kind of vibe, you know, just to sum it up. But so I went to, I was like nervous about going to Greece because I was like, what are people going to think of me? You know, this wellness girl is going to like, you know, Mykonos and Party Central. And my mentor, Chris, was like, you have to go. And I was like, he's like, this is your escapade into pleasure, essentially. And to like, let go and stop caring what the fuck everybody thinks about you. And I went and I had the best time. And I danced my ass off and ate fresh food and I met so many incredible people some of the most like creative people and I came back from that trip looking like a Greek goddess and there was no rule I, di- I didn't do any pro- I-, I told myself I'm going to take off again for two weeks take off from work and take off from not doing my practice yeah you know, it's also I think to your point it's about embracing your femininity more right like where you're so in our masculine and we talked about this in one of our other podcasts recently it's like the feminine side is to like just go dance and enjoy and mm-hmm. like have pleasure and be. But we restrict all of that because we feel like we need to fit into a norm and do all of the to-dos and the practices and whatever to stay in line based on society's definition. The funniest thing was actually that was the first time that I've taken a vacation in three years since I've launched Benchin Course. And that was our most successful month that we had. Really? Yeah. We had over 300 people sign up for the month that, that month. so funny. That always happens, I swear. When you surrender and let go, it's just the magic that happens is unbelievable. It was actually 333 people. That's, that's my lucky yeah. number, 333. That's the Benchin number. I literally, I was like shocked and I was like, if there's ever a sign from the universe that I'm doing the right thing. It was that. And that trip for sure really was, um, really, I came back from the trip and I was like, I want to travel the world more. I was like, I feel like I haven't lived life yet because I spent the last 10 years so strict, you know? And so just, I was like, I haven't even begun to live and really see the fullest potential (laughs) of what, what I can do and who I am. And it's like for anybody out there that's like, Oh, you have Benjamin, you have it all figured out and your business is is your business is successful. I'm still figuring myself out. Yeah. Like what do I want? Like Benjamin is kind of like one stepping stone to like, you know, it'll change, it'll morph as every business does, you know. Yeah. And um, unlocking new layers of yourself. Exactly. Of, yeah. And like it sounds like going to Greece and traveling, like maybe you didn't know that that was actually very in alignment with your soul and like what makes you more of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that like this whole idea of all of us like being really disconnected from ourselves. And I think screen time doesn't help. Like all these things are just distractions. I think it's incredible that you are kind of, you've built something and are continuing to work on this program that allows people to reconnect Mm -hmm. and doing that through your own journey, right? Like you're leading by example by being like, I don't care if people think I'm a party girl for going to Greece. Like I can be both of these things. Yeah. And I think that that was really freeing for me because I was like, who who created the box? <laughs> I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like who told us that we have to like be these puritanical beings in order to be X, Y, and Z? Yeah. You know, and actually the community that I was studying with, they very much were like build the business, do the thing, like make the money, you know, build, have the family, which I loved. And then there was also the layers of, you know, discipline, which it's kind of like what you make of it. So it's at this point, I feel really grateful that I've had all the experiences of it and I've really learned to take what I need and leave the rest. And that's really what I invite everybody. And, you know, I've seen so many lineages fall apart and over the years, over 10 years, you know, we've seen you know, I don't want to like go into that right now because we're almost done and that's a very long story. (laughs) But, you know, I think that for me, seeing so many different, you know, things unfold in various different lineages and various different communities around the world, it's kind of like we're in a really beautiful time right now because it's very community-centric, 
you know, it's about building community and building connection in that way. And, you know, I never want to be like the teacher or the leader or I'm doing air quotes now. And I really just want to encourage people that like this is your practice and this practice is for you and these tools are for you and they're there for you whenever you want to use them. Know that if you do use them, they're going to give you energy and that energy is really for you to go and build your life and do the things that you want to do. So something that we always ask at the beginning of the podcast, which I just realized we didn't ask in this one um, and just touched on like you just touched on is like, what is your meaning of fulfillment and what is your meaning of success? And if they're related, because it seems like this notion of like community, like togetherness, empowering others seems very core to you. You know, it's funny because my friend Jesse Israel, he had, uh, you guys know, oh, I know him, yeah, yeah. yeah, he actually had. I went to Medi Club the first time, I think it was like back in 2015. And I didn't have a community I was like really part of, you know, I didn't really have. And I was just like, that's so cool. I was like, I, I, and it wasn't like a cool, like, you know, cool factor, but more like just seeing so many people hugging and like knowing each other and like, you know, to like have a place where they could all go and connect. And Jesse and I always laugh because I was like, I can't believe that I was able to create something too, you know, and he always, always really supportive and so super and loving about it. But I didn't ever think that was something I was going to build out, you know, was a big community. And it was really, the way that came was, and I was, you know, that, that quote from Maya Angelou about success, she, she says that it's like success is liking yourself and what you do. Right. And that really always stuck with me because the way that Benchon grew was I started to just share with the world the things that I liked, you know, and it started to catch on. And um, people started to come to classes when I was teaching, you know, and people just enjoyed it. And I just was really passionate. So I was just sharing what I liked, even though it was so fucking weird and out there, you know, and people, it just caught on and people, it's like, I enjoyed it. It changed my life, you know. And so for me, I think fulfillment it's liking yourself and what you do. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, I can go to bed every night and be like, I showed up. I did my best. And I was also the best version of myself, you know. And it's like maybe I fucked up. Maybe I, you know, did the wrong thing. Maybe it wasn't quote unquote perfect, but I tried my best, you know, and I think that's really like. And success means the same thing to you? Yeah, I think that success, like this word success is so, um, like, it's not how many followers you have on Instagram. It's not how, how much, much money, money you make. make. Yeah. It's not because you look at people. And this is why I love teaching about success and, and the laws of prosperity and all this stuff, because these people that I studied the success teachings from were like Napoleon Hill, Florence Gavlishan, Julius Sutton, all these people that lived in the early 1900s and they were writing books and teachings on the, the new thought. They were called like the new thought teachers. And their definition of success, even back then, was always that it's really a feeling, essentially, and that it's not about, and that's like the short synopsis of it, but it's not about, because you see people that have a lot of money and they're not happy. And you see people that have a lot of followers. Or this, by the way, for me, it was never about how many followers. Like the followers just came through press and this and that. It was never, it's never just for everybody on social media. <laughs> Do not let the stress of followers and likes get to you, you know, and like who's watching your stuff. It's like if you ever have that, to take a step back from that. Even with brands, when brands try to work with me and they're like, we want to know what your stats are. I'm very upfront with them. I'm like, this is not of importance to me. And if it's of importance to you. You say this that is to not, them? Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah, because my mental health is the most important thing to me. Yeah. And How did you get to that place to be like, no, my mental health comes first before money, before anything? Because I it, I used to have a lot of anxiety around social media and I've gotten to a really good place with that and I don't ever want to feel that way. And I know that the, the way to like promote the course or whatever is really or whatever, you know, by whatever I mean, like the business or whatever we're doing is by showing up and teaching the best class that I can. And then word of mouth marketing is for me, in my opinion, is always going to be the best marketing. I love that so much. It's so true. It's like that is going to be the biggest sale is like how you show up how yeah, you're teaching that class yeah because it's true like I didn't learn about bunching online I learned about it from a friend exactly yeah and it's like if I show up and teach the best class because I for anybody who's just starting out you know like I would teach when I was starting to teach Kundalini Yoga I had like two students in my class right or like Ben Shen course when I first started it was like six women in my living room you know and it's like and those six you teach a great class and they leave there and they're like holy shit that was nice 
you know, they're going to tell their friends, they're going to be like, that Benchen thing. It's amazing. You know, yeah. you, you should try it. And then those six becomes 12. And then now you have 12 and then 12 becomes 24. You know, yeah. and that's the best marketing. Because imagine like you send someone something on social media, like, oh, yeah, I'll check it out later. But you're sitting at dinner with your friend and they're like, this thing changed my life. It could be a product. It could be whatever. You know, so so social stuff. And I know it's kind of the time that we live in where the stuff is, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be like, I'll send you my stats. But if you're looking for a certain number of likes or a certain number of engagement, this is not the partnership for me. Yeah. I agree. Do you know, the emphasis off of that. Oh, yeah. And there's times I turn down lots of money for that. And for me, the money is never going to replace my mental health. Yeah. Well, because as we've seen time and time again, money doesn't equal happiness or fulfillment. That's something we talk about a lot in terms of guests, because like we're like actually one of the biggest fallacies, I think, about the day and age we live in is to assume that a blue check, a certain amount of followers, a certain amount of money, a title gives you joy. Mm -hmm. like or makes you fulfilled or makes you successful like mm -hmm. sure maybe on paper it gives you something but that's not necessarily true sometimes it is true of course but that's not necessarily yeah, it's true like when you close your eyes at night those things are not there right you're with yourself and if you can't be happy internally then what's yeah the point? i'm like with, with the business everything i've done with my team and what i do with the community no fucking shortcuts, no like how can we make a quick buck type of thing and like cheating our community or anything. And I see that happen a lot, you know, and then, you know, I just also treat people how I want to be treated and also treat people the way the opposite of how I have been treated in the past, you know, and my team even like my team is I'm, I don't know how many people can be like, I love working with my team or co-workers every day, not just like one week, but like we have so much fun together, you know, and I really had to do a lot of deconditioning in the beginning because, you know, it was like, I'm the boss, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I like heard myself say a couple of things, not, you know, out to, you know, out there, but just like, I'm the boss. And then I was like, where'd that come from? You know, like, that doesn't feel good to say that, you know. So even with my team, it's like I'm always I've done a lot of coaching courses, like personally, I've gone to them and I've used a lot of those tools to become the best version of myself so that I can be that version with my team, with my community. Like whenever there's an issue on the team, for example, I will always go in because I did this in the very beginning. You're doing this and what's and then I was like, wait, that's not working. Yeah. You know, that's not that's also like an old, really like archaic way that doesn't feel I don't want to be spoken to like that you know but it's also going back to the extremes it's like I'm the boss you're not like it's like one or the other versus like this is a collaborative thing do you feel like you no longer live in extremes or do you have some times where you kind of like revert back and then you find you're, you're more self-aware so you kind of bring yourself back to equilibrium I think I'm in a good place right now you know I think that there are certain things that require more I think it's less extreme and about being in a place right now where I know where things need discipline. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, if you want this, you're going to have to do this. Like if you want this level of success, if you want to do X, Y, and Z, if you want to, you know, make enough money to open up a space for your community, you're going to have to do X, Y, and Z to get there. You know, but it's not about like, oh, you're a bad girl. You didn't do this. You know, it's really like, okay, like here's the facts of it. You yeah. know, and there's still some work that I'm doing around like, you know, because I can be very lazy, just to like put it out there. People that don't know, like I can get very, you know, I don't know if lazy is the right word, but I'm a manifesting generator. So I like to do things when I'm inspired. I mean, I'm not inspired. I'm like shadow and bone. Let's just watch seven episodes of that, you know, whatever. So I've had to learn to like, okay, we can't go that far off the spectrum. And there's certain things that require mostly for like my mental health. It's like before it was like you have to meditate because it's good. Like you're good, check off the box. Now I'm like, okay, we need to have the discipline to do this because you need to feel really good to confront all the things you have to confront every single day running a business. You know, even just like going back to like the conversation with team, it takes a lot of mental and physical. Um, now it's easy, but I remember in the beginning, like when I would have issues with with members of my team to just be able to walk in a room and be like, what's the problem? Like, what not what's the problem with you, but like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. You know, to be able to hold space for that. That takes a lot of, you know, mental, you know, agility. Yeah. And also to be able to be like, where am you know, the first question that I'll try to ask every time there's an issue is, what's my role in this? 
Yeah. Because if my team is not working, it's something I'm doing too, you know, and to have enough, you know, mental agility to be self-awareness self-awareness look at yourself yeah because yeah. every relationship i find no matter it's with your team romantic partner whoever it is is like a mirror back towards exactly you. always i mean just to, that's such a great point because i remember one time i love every single person that works in me and then there was one teaching that i learned in the prosperity teachings and kundalini yoga which was about like try not to ever fire anybody try to figure out what their strengths are and move people around. And that has been like incredible to just take that and just be like, well, actually, you know what? This, I remember one of the women on my team was doing a lot of admin work and she was sending emails out. It was like January square. She's like, welcome to April. And I was like, all right, we're taking you off of admin and we're going to move you over here. And where we, because I saw what her strengths were, where we moved her, boom, she excelled. Really? And then it really helped the company. And then same with other team members. So just having awareness of like practices like that is really important. And um, yeah, it was like, that was just really cool. Because like you talk about what success is, right? And it's like completely deconditioning what being a boss means and how showing up as a boss means and like what teamwork means. And I see like... A lot of people, you know, I have a lot of friends and people in my field that are in corporate jobs and the amount of like gossip and this and that. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't even imagine, you know, and and these it's just wild to me. But it took a lot of work on yourself to do that, you know. Yeah, that's an amazing quality. Yeah. And my team, I open space. I'm like, you give me feedback, too. Yeah. Like, please. Yeah. And I, I think like it's truly a testament to all the work that you've done on yourself to be able to lead your team in that kind of way. And it's very empowering to be like, oh, like, you know, I'm not going to fire her. I'm going to figure out how she can excel and then like witness her success because of that decision. Like, it's amazing. Like, not only are you empowering a huge community with Benjamin, you're also empowering your team to be the best they can be. Yeah. And we have, and it's also like, I realized over the time that you can hire people that are good at what they do and you can hire people that are really passionate about what you do too you know and you need both you know you can't just have people that are good at what they do because like everyone on our team we're friends do you know what I mean like we've become friends and I know there's also a saying don't become friends with the people you work with and it's like yeah there's moments where that can get tricky you know you have to have like a tough conversation conversation. yeah but if you have enough awareness and consciousness you can have that tough conversation both can I always say like do you want to be right or do you want to have a win-win or do you want to have a what? Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Do you right. want to, can you can have a win-win if a you win-win. want. Yeah. You know, you it's can true. have a win-win. So in terms of dating, I remember one time in one of your intro or like, yeah, the introduction videos. Yeah. As an example of expanding your thinking, you had mentioned something about online dating. And you mm-hmm. were like, yeah, like everyone thinks that you can like the thinking right now is like you have to be on apps mm-hmm. if you are if you want to meet someone and like expanding beyond that. And I'm in a relationship now, but I remember hearing that when I was single and being like, thank you. Like, I don't want like, you know, my mom being like, you need to get out there, like get on apps. And I I asked this and bring this up because I know it would resonate with a lot of listeners. Mm -hmm. How have you navigated like really, and not just in this with dating, but in general, like sticking to those it's hard to have faith, right? And it's hard to like expand and believe that when that's what everyone's saying. And you see a lot of success stories from specifically on this topic from online dating, but like, how do you keep yourself accountable to a new way of thinking? I mean, I was single for eight years before my relationship. Really? Yeah. And uh, I mean, I met people and it was like short term thing, but I kept picking the wrong people. I just talked to my mentor about this the other day because I was like, I was like, I kept choosing the wrong people. And he was like, no, you didn't. I was like, okay, you know, Luke Skywalker. You know, I was (laughs) like, and he's like, no, this is just the first time you chose yourself. Wow. And I was like, whoa, because that really hit. Because before I met the person I was with now, just a long story short, I was single for a long time. I needed to be single for some of that time. And I needed to like figure myself out. And you know, kind of after that last relationship, I needed to like get back on my feet. I needed to get my health together. And having that time being This single, was after the raw vegan? After, no, no, that was raw <laughs> vegan <laughs> spectacle was back in 2010. My last relationship was 2015. And he was, he was a great guy. It was just not, it was just, I was unhappy. I wasn't in a good place. I didn't have any money. Like, and he was just in a much different time in his life. And he was older than I was. So it was just 
top and it was different. Yeah. So during that time, I'd met people, I'd date like short term relationships, like three months. And then over the years, it gave me a lot. I had to learn the lessons of personal power and I had to learn the lessons like take care of myself. And, you know, that gave me the space to build bench on, that gave me the space to focus on me, that gave me the space to find the amazing friend group that I have. And then, you know, in the last couple of years, I just kept dating the same guy. You know, the same person just kept showing up. And I was just like, fuck, you know, and like one, if you, if once you get it, you know, that's just that person, multiple people, you're like, okay, this is over here is the issue. So, you know, the question about like dating apps and what the issue ended up being was I just kept not choosing myself. So I, I didn't, I had values that like communication style, like how you want to talk to people or like love languages or whatever it is. And I was sort of negotiating like, oh, maybe it'll develop down the line or, oh, maybe they'll want a relationship, you know, in a couple months or all those things that we kind of like are like, oh, let's see what happens versus being like, no, this is what I want and this is how I want to be treated. And this is what's important to me. And you don't really even have to say that, but you just know that for yourself and see how people show up. Right. So just taking that into the back of your head, it doesn't matter if you're online or in person, right? I think there's like so much negativity about online dating. Well, I love online dating. You know, I'm not using it now, obviously, because I'm in a relationship, but I always encourage people to use the apps because I think that it's such a great way to meet new people that you might not have met. It totally. expands your demographic. It expands like the types of people that you might be able to meet. And I think it's really great. I think if you take the step back and know who you are, what you want, what red flags you're going to say no to. It doesn't matter if you're online or in person. I know lots of people that have met people online and I know lots of people that have met people in person. So I think that, again, it's kind of like Instagram. It's like, how do you, what's your relationship to it? Yeah, I guess what I am getting at is sort of like, how do you, because like the reason that resonated with me and I actually, my ex-boyfriend of four years mm -hmm. was from Raya. So yeah. I believe in online dating too, but like I was in a phase where I was like, I really just don't want to do this. And I remember just the way that you were thinking was really expansive for me based on what you were saying. And I guess what I'm asking is like, how do you keep the faith? Not I'll just with dating, faith. but like, because like, for example, in that moment, I was like, this doesn't feel right for me right now. But how do you keep the faith? And like, that's not just with dating, but with anything like when it isn't necessarily what the rest of the world is doing. Mm -hmm. And I know that you have, you've taught me and other people a lot about personal power and all those things. Like, I guess... What sort of tips or advice would you give to someone who's like, yeah, I, I know this is what's true for me, but I'm having a hard time believing that and staying in that truth? Yeah, yeah I, I kind of never thought I was going to have a relationship. I made peace with that. I was like, you know, I was like, like, maybe I'm not supposed to. And it wasn't like a negative type of thing, but I was like, I'm really happy. I have a lot of friends. I have the most amazing community. I was like, maybe I'm just supposed to have 50 lovers in this lifetime. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Until I'm like 80, 90 years old. And I don't know. I think I just like once I really got clear on what I wanted and what I wanted and how I wanted to feel. And I just started finding examples. It wasn't even like I found it. It was like examples of that were coming into my life. And I was like, it has to be possible then. I was like, if I'm seeing other people have that, not just a relationship. It was like the kind of relationship that I wanted. Expanders. Yeah, expanders, as they like, as Lacey Phillips talks about, I love her. And it just really started to come into my life. And I was like, yes. And it also, talk about expander, that word, it expanded even what I wanted in a relationship. And then talk about choosing the wrong people, quote unquote, that moment last year when I had that realization, I started meeting lots of couples that were in relationships where they were very in love and they were still pursuing their careers, pursuing their passions, traveling the world. Even they had kids, too. I didn't realize I had such a negative belief. I thought if you got into a relationship, everything fell apart after that. So that's why I was picking unavailable people, because then I wouldn't have to go through the whole thing. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. Jasmine even talks about like for her dating life to surround herself with people who are in healthy relationships and she'll only take advice from people in healthy relationships when yeah, it comes to Yeah, just being hers. a little, I always make the joke, which actually like, I make the joke like you won't go to your like car mechanic or your butcher for fashion advice, but that actually, I kind of take that back because who knows, your butcher could have like the best style <laughs> ever and that's the truth. But more metaphorically speaking, like just being a little more discerning about who you're getting input from and who you're surrounding yourself with. Like 
similarly, I always think about couples that mm-hmm. I like versus I used to focus so much on my non-negotiables in a man. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you are, it actually is very healthy to think about couples because mm-hmm. you also have to look at how the woman is showing up for that person mm-hmm. because that's a part of what creates that dynamic. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just being more discerning about like where you're getting your advice from and the, your vibration, like who you're actually tuning into and spending time with. Yeah, and like two things on that one. For me, the big thing was like, there's such a, relationship is going to bring you happiness. Like you're going to be happy. There's just such a cultural yeah. projection of that. You know, meet the one and you're happy. And then, um, you know, for me, it was like, wait, what do I actually want a relationship for? What's the experience I want to have in a relationship? What do I want to build? Um, that changed everything for me. And then step two on what you were saying, it's like, if you were trying to keep the faith on money, on relationship, whatever it is, don't be talking to people that are like negative about it. Yeah. You have to like, do not even bring that topic up with them. Because what you feed your brain, Bob Proctor talks about this. He says your brain is a broadcasting station and it's a switching station. So when you start to receive information, it turns on brain cells around that and that emits a vibration. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. if you want to keep the faith, talk to people that have lots of money. Talk to people that have had business success. Talk to people who are in happy relationships. Yeah, that's so true. I see a hypnotherapist. She's actually in New York, but she's incredible very like Joe Dispenza-esque. And she is very about that. Like Mm -hmm. she is, the minute you feed yourself that, you're subconsciously going there. It's like stored somewhere within you in your body. And that was what you'll create. Yeah. I mean, you we're an accumulation of the top five people we surround ourselves with. 100%. Yeah. 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 So our last question (laughs) on this podcast is always, what's your point? Do I just free free jump? Whatever you want to say. What's What's your why? And and by the way, that changes every day, every year. Who knows? For different people. I think for me, like, what's my point? Like, what I wake up for, what I, you know, because I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, why do I do what I do? Why do I I not just, like, have a steady job, a steady (laughs) income, and, like, have that, you know, like... And I was like, I think that, you know, I went through a lot as a child, seeing a lot of addiction and overdose and drugs. And I just saw a lot of unhappiness and where that leads to. And I experienced that myself as well. And I think that, you know, when they say like you have a purpose, I think that somehow my purpose is my point and it's constantly pulling me in a direction. And when I say pulling me, I literally mean pulling me. Yeah. Like some days I'm like, no, not today, <laughs> you know, and it's just like it's sort of an unstoppable force that it's just the point is I just want people to know that you can feel better, you know, and that you can experience happiness. And it's not bottled up in a package. It's like it's real and it's out there and you have to go chase after it. And it's not chase after it, like, you know, really like live your life. I mean, you know, like what are all the things you're not doing and do it? Yeah. Really the last thing. And what... um I feel like listeners would want to know this because I think there's a fallacy around purpose and being like, you know, and there are people who like are like, I want to be a chef at nine and know that that's their path. But it took you not a while, but like, do you feel like you really cracked open your purpose? I don't think like even as you can hear me talk about, I don't think it's like it's a feeling. It's a feeling. It's a feeling. It's like a drive. It's a feeling. It's like I have to share. I have to teach. I have to got this and for it and there's no like there's no shortcuts there's yeah yeah. and there's no rational around it do you know what I mean it's like I when was the first time you felt that way you had that feeling I mean probably when I started teaching kundalini yoga because I just it really worked with me and it resonated with me and I saw how much it helped me not just the practice but the teachings around like prosperity and around like your mind and around subconscious mind and around there's just so much information that I was like, oh my God, this changed my mind and my perspective of reality. And I need to just get this out there. It was like a switch just turned on, you That's know? Great. Yeah. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. So great. It was another hour to chat. I know. Part two. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.